Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the DPM podcast. I'm your, well, we are your hosts, Anna. Oh, I'm Giovanna. Okay. <laughs> and I'm Heaven. That heaven, was, you no, wait, that was, yeah, that was really nasty. Cut that No, out. no, we're going to And I'm Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Heaven, that was beautiful. Anyways, welcome back to DPM. Okay. I hope you guys are all doing well. Um, so, today we're going to be talking about a very cheery topic, as we always do on this podcast we only talk about like nice positive things um we'll talk about climate change and how our world's gonna die uh, very very soon um fun a very light topic if you ask me you know like i cannot think it's like afternoon reading for me um we're going to talk about a few particular things obviously this is a very wide topic there's a lot to discuss and we're obviously not like scientists in this um so we're going to be talking about a few things we're going to do a little bit of an overlook into like what's going on what's happening what are we experiencing then um i'm going to go into like plastics and microplastics particularly in the ocean but just like in everything else giovanna is going to talk about the amazon forest and the amazon fires uh, again light cheery topic and then heaven is going to talk about the uh, green new deal um and we're going to talk about that and like what does that entail obviously criticisms of them all that so let's get going so first things first <laughs> climate change is bad <laughs> just to okay. put that out there um, <laughs> okay yeah thank you okay so- um during the pre-industrial era the climate was doing all right it wasn't too bad it wasn't too hot it was all right however during the industrial era um, the temperature of the earth <laughs> I'm so nervous guys I'm not a scientist okay so let's go for okay let's go for this together so so the world was fine right before before capitalism essentially right, right. and then and capitalism occurs yeah and, and so, then world starts warming up yeah because there was this new need for like cars and electricity and businesses and all of these things required the burning of fossil fuels yes so the burning of fossil fuels releases carbon dioxide into the atmosphere which a a maintained amount is okay but because there was this high demand for all of these like different things the um, amount of carbon dioxide that was being released into the air obviously increased Um, and so with time over the years, over the decades, this just increased more and more. Um, And so carbon dioxide is what we would call a greenhouse gas. So there are different greenhouse gases. Um, Methane is also a greenhouse gas and methane is released by the killing of animals. So that's nice. Um, It's also released, I think, when animals are alive because of their um, feces. Yes, but more is released you know when they're when they die when they're killed and when we eat them and yes exactly. just goes on yeah yes uh, yes <laughs> i mean i feel like that's a pretty good <laughs> i feel like that's a pretty good uh overlook into the thing i mean look we don't want to go into much into it because obviously like you learn this yeah. in like year five science yeah. i'm pretty sure i learned about greenhouse gases in like year five science so if you did not pass year five science then this is, might be a little bit an issue but if you did i think you should know what's going on particularly like like we see it every single day particularly during the summer we're yeah. seeing warmer climate we're seeing like um there was like a little tornado in london what the fuck like 
that scary. Canada, America are reaching yeah. like 50 degree weather, which obviously is completely unusual for them. And there's been more flooding, like all sorts of things. We see this in news all the time. It's not hard to like connect the dots and be like, mm, one thing connected to the other. Today, actually, um, I woke up to a few notifications saying that there was a lot of floodings in Germany over the last few yeah. days. And unfortunately, like seven people have lost, lost their lives already in the flooding. Loads of people have lost their homes. Many are missing. Like this summer as well has been so weird. Literally yeah. in March, we had like a literal heat wave and then it got really, really cold again. Yeah. And then in June, we had like a three week heat wave and then it's been raining ever since. And then this week it's warming up again and it's like crazy, you know, can't keep track of all of this weather change. No, but Giovanna, actually, I have to correct you that the last, these last few days of warmth actually not because of climate change, that's because it's my birthday on Friday. <laughs> And well, like I'm actually bringing the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually not... in your favor. <laughs> exactly. Like it's actually not because of climate change. Like I'll give that one off. It was actually me. <laughs> actually me being born. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's know. really hard to like not look at like what's happening out in the world and like be like, yeah, it's because of climate change. However, what we're going to be talking about today is more like stuff that you don't see, uh, if it makes sense. Or if you do see, it's not to the fullest extent. Okay, it's not the scary, scary stuff because it's just not like um. It's just not like good for like the people to know because then you won't end capitalism. Um, so today we're going to be talking about um, a few different things. Um, I'm going to start off with plastic. Um, first of all, I want to do a little exercise with not with you guys as well, but also the listeners. I want you to just look at like your like stuff that's immediately in front of you. And I want you to count how many things have plastic in them of some sort. I literally just took a sip out of my plastic water bottle. So that's one. You can count that one. Yes. I'm going to do this exercise as well. I'm going to give you guys like 30 seconds to do this. Okay. Um, do you guys want to reveal your numbers? Nine. Nine. What sorts of things were they? So you had your water bottle. Yeah, my water bottle, I've got a packet of biscuits, got like um, my iPad case, mm. I've got my keyboard cover, um, I've got a bag on the table, I've got like a little makeup bag that's plastic and stuff in my makeup. Mm. So overall nine, okay. Yeah. Giovanna, what about you? Probably over ten, because I got like a few fake plants, like shelves, yeah, too, yeah. shelves a plastic ruler, a fan plastic mirrors like with the outside that are plastic yeah, yeah. um container yeah yeah so for me it was 15 ish again like tell i have a lot of stuff on my table because yeah like i have like a camera i have like this like stuff like this is like for credit cards i have oh, like yeah. bts album pcs in it yeah i have a speaker i have my phone phones have plastic laptops have yeah. plastic so everything has plastic and i'm sure like the listeners unless you live in a hut made of plain wood you're probably gonna have plastic in your life and that's the problem right so we're gonna start off with like the overall statistics on plastic and this is why it gets a little bit square we um so first i'm gonna talk about um i organized this so i don't know why it's not 
organize. There you go. So we're going to be talking about plastic pollution, first of all. So this source is Britannica. I have a, a couple different sources, but Britannica is a really good one. Uh, so the plastic pollution is obviously the idea that there's an accumulation of plastic in the environment. And this causes obviously problems to everybody, like us, animals, plants, literally everyone who's involved in the world has a problem because of these plastics. Um, and it started roughly in the beginning of the 20th century uh, when plastic was invented. And since then it has become a problem. Like in the 1960s and 70s, plastic was already a problem. Obviously you can imagine by now how much of a problem it actually has begun. And this is such a big of a problem that plastic has been found on Mount Everest, Antarctica, on unmelted ice in Antarctica. Um, it has been found at the bottom of Mariana's Trench, which if you don't know what Mariana's Trench is, is, it's the deepest part of the ocean. It has been found there. There's a plastic bag found there. And it has basically been found in places where you'd think, oh, there's not going to be plastic there because no one lives there. No one has gone there. It's there. It's everywhere. Um, and so also one of the worst problems is that animals in the sea eat this plastic. We have all seen the very like, you know, like heart-wrenching videos of like whales and like other people coming into like, be, like coming into like the coast and they have like pounds and pounds of plastic in their stomachs because they cannot tell the difference between a plastic bag and something else that they should be eating in the ocean. Um, and obviously, like we all know, like say the turtles don't eat plastic straws, whatever. But it goes beyond that, and it's not just plastic straws; it's everything. Um, and obviously, this also causes a problem with like aesthetics, because you look at places where I have like filled with plastic, and it's obviously very ugly to landscape. Obviously, that's to a lesser extent, but it does cause that. Um, it does because obviously the reason why plastic causes this is because plastic is useful to us because it lasts a very long time so unlike paper and like like metal which rusts over time it lasts a very long time and that's exactly why it's a pollutant because it'll last a very long time when we dispose of it so when we're no longer using our phones when we're no longer eating like i'm just going to use it heaven as an example when you're no longer eating those biscuits that single use plastic is going to last beyond that and go into the ocean essentially because that's how it tends to to work some of that plastic will be um uh, recycled but only a very few countries have over 50% of plastic being recycled. In the UK, it's a very low percentage of plastic being recycled. So the vast majority of plastic, particularly plastic that can't be recycled, will end up landfills, the ocean, essentially, um, everywhere, literally everywhere. Um, and so this is some of statistics. Now, I know numbers are really hard sometimes to take in. I'm just going to read them out to you. This is from Surface Against Sewage. You can go to a website, they have like a really nice way of like displaying statistics. But so every day, approximately 8 million pieces of plastic pollution find their way into the ocean. So that's every single day. So you do that over a year, you do that over like a decade, and you can imagine how, how many tons of that it is. 12 million tons of plastic are poured into the ocean every single year. Um, with microplastics are literally found in Antarctic ice, which I'm going to go into microplastics in a little bit. Um, Roughly 80% of like just rubbish in the ocean is plastic. Um, and there might be 5.25 trillion macro and micro macro and microplastic pieces floating in open ocean. So that's five trillion. That's like more than any sort of wealth that like people own. Do you know what I mean? Um, 
and it weighs up to two thousand six ah, two thousand sixty nine thousand tons. I'm as good of numbers. Um, about one thousand one one hundred thousand marine mammals are killed. One million seabirds are killed by plastic. Um, nine percent of plastic is produced from feedstock obtained from fossil gas and fossil oil and gas. So, like talking like about like greenhouse gases, plastic production releases these pollutants into the atmosphere as well. So it's also causing global warming. And you know, you can go on and on and on, but essentially it's very, very like yeah, less than a third of whole plastic in the UK is recycled. Um, so you know, it's pretty bad. I don't want to like go on and on and on about it. I want to go into something that's much more interesting, which is microplastics. Now, microplastics are plastics that are under five millimeters. Uh, under five millimeters. So if you look at a millimeter, that's tiny, it's smaller than that. And there are nanoplastics, which nanoplastics are even smaller than that. They're like, well, they're nanoplastics. You nanos are really, really small. Um, and there's two ways these microplastics are released into the atmosphere. There's primary microplastics, which is uh, cosmetics. So when you use those exfoliants, you know, like the microbeads, those are made from plastic. That's a primary source of microplastics. Um, and they're also like microfiber, microfiber shed from clothing, which is why we also talk about like clothing. Clothing is made of plastic. Well, not all clothing, cotton isn't. But like if you have polyester, that's plastic. That's essentially just plastic. And microfibers are, are plastic and they also get released and they also consider as a primary microplastic. And then secondary microplastics are how plastics break down. So Plastics does break, plastics do break down over time. They just take a very long time to break down and then they gain to microplastics, which are very hard to actually like separate from the things we consume and they are found inside of us. There's microplastics inside of us. There's microplastics in everything we have, like the wind, the oceans, the ice in Antarctica, like everywhere. And it's because obviously because of sun's radiation exposure. Um, and this is caused by many different things. It's caused by littering, it's, it's like storms. Some plastic just gets dumped right into the ocean. Um, like when people leave behind plastic in the beach, that gets made less directly into the ocean. Um, and then and then it's, it's even in our drinking water. Now, a lot of microplastics do get like taken out of our drinking water. However, uh, about 10% of, of them don't. So 10% of microplastics still are made into our drinking water, which is like so scary to think about because you think, okay, what we clean, because, and this is something else I wanna point out. Like we like to think that what we're, we are in control of what we consume, right? Like I'm consuming these green things are like bio, da, 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 da. but there's so many things happening at like a level that we can't control because of the vast amount of plastic that we're consuming every single year. And nanoplastics are even worse because you can literally just not spot them. Like you cannot spot them in the environment. Like they're so tiny that like, we don't know how much of them there are, right? And, um, and obviously we wanna know like, how does this affect us? Obviously for animals, it's deadly. We know this animals consume, not just even microplastics, consume microplastics and it's awful. A lot of the fish we consume, I think one in three fish we consume have microplastics in them. Um, I mean, same, um, bro, when I was doing this, wait, wait, I haven't said that like, um, no, I'm scared of drinking water. I was doing research on this. I was like drinking water. I was like, uh-huh, yes, queen, uh-huh. Um, now, what does this mean for us human beings? Now, we don't know. 
essentially that's it and that's a that's the scariest part we don't know what this means for us a lot of people have a theory that they will just get flushed right through us because our body will reject them and be like you're not supposed to be here let's like reject that but this goes into another thing i want to talk about which i'm just i'm doing like quick overviews because obviously i don't want to be speaking for like 30 minutes right um this goes into something else i want to talk about which is infertility so there's a few scientists in the leading thing that essentially all men, or at least men in the West, will be completely infertile by 2045. And why is that? There's a few reasons for this. Um, some of them are stresses. Some of them are multiple chemicals that we're exposed to. And the worst part is a lot of these, these the, the men are not, how do I say this? The men are not, um, the men are not, like consuming them directly it actually is already formed in the mother's womb so like if you're if the mother's like cleaning and she's inhaling these like kind of bad chemicals oftentimes it doesn't kill the child but he, they, he will have decreased infertility we're already seeing that like men are like half like already like less infertile than grandfathers right um also this is going to sound a little bit funny but it's also leading to shrinking penises so their penises are also getting smaller which um not great for anybody um (laughs) um, but this is not just because of stress this is not just because it's because of plastics we're constantly coming into contact with plastic we're constantly coming into contact with microplastics and you're and 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 as i said this is already a problem in the 60s and 70s so many generations of men have already been in contact with plastic from the womb from their mothers and that is leading to a decrease in fertility now is it inevitable no but is it inevitable? Yes, because it's, it doesn't have to happen, but because we cannot stop consuming plastic because we're not going to, is a revolution going to happen today where we're going to end all plastic? No, even as just a decrease in single-use plastic is already helped a lot, but is that going to happen? No. So it is in this, it, essentially inevitable that it's going to happen because there is no push to like stop using so much plastic because it's not profitable. And so there is a very likelihood, a big likelihood that men are going to be fertile. Now, women are also affected by this, but again, that has to still be studied and that has to still be like found out. Um, but for men, it is a pretty like bad thing because it's not even like, oh, you know, you're infertile because you're 50%. It's like, no, like just like no sperm is there alive. And it's, it's meant to be like soon, right? It's meant to be like yeah, 2045. Is like, yeah. yeah, we're going to be like, I'm going to be 49. It, like 39 is not that old 39 39 yeah in 45 yeah because it's in 20 years so well it's in 25 years so i did 20 years in my mind i didn't do the 20 i didn't add the extra five <laughs> so i'm gonna be 34 34 and 45 yeah because then i'm 19 you add 20 that's 39 yeah but you're you're turning 19 in 2021 that means no i'm turning 19 this year what year is it now 2021 <laughs> yeah exactly oh That's yeah what i just said you're two years younger than the year it is oh wow you're so smart <laughs> wow maths what sorry so how old am i gonna be actually 45 so you'll turn 43 Okay, well, then I'm basically fertile by then anyway. So, child, not my problem. <laughs> not my problem. Um, if I'm lucky, I'll be going for menopause at that point. It's actually fine. You know what I mean? Um, um, women. Yeah, I have something <laughs> in my mind. 
Yes. Yeah, so birth rates. Um, so this is something this is comes from a website called Summit News, which they interviewed the woman who has been like leading and writing books about this. and have been researching this. I wish I knew her name. I don't. Um, so while birth rates continue to plummet as a result of the infertility, young men are also being told to remain single while women in a way are societally engineered to believe having children and voting themselves to motherhood is unfulfilling. So this is not just a problem with plastic. This is a, pro- a problem with society. And I don't blame society because like as a woman, it is very like demeaning to like be like, well, okay, you have to be a mom and then you have to stay at home as a mother. For some might be fulfilling, but I know I wouldn't be happy doing that. I wouldn't be happy just staying at home with my children. So unless we actually make like motherhood a more fulfilling experience by sharing it with the person you're having the babies with and for having free childcare and for having a more supportive networks like we used to have back in the day, you know, like those things, just by itself, motherhood is not very appealing. So people are having less children. And then there's also the declining fertility, which obviously doesn't help. Um, so there's that. I mean, it's, it's pretty gruesome stuff and it's, it's, it's hard to like deal with it. And also one thing I forgot to say is cleaning the plastic is also virtually impossible because you need massive amounts of investment. You need massive amounts of like boats and people and also only one percent of that plastic is above the water a lot of this plastic has sunk into the ocean ground which we can't reach with any technology we have at the moment so a lot of plastic we can't even reach can't even clean out and there's it's so bad that there's um something that's called oh my god what was it called i'm sorry see my notes um Oh my god, it was like some oh that's my that's Google being like, I don't know what you're talking about. But basically there's these massive amounts of like plastic gathered in the middle of oceans, often where currents meet, and they're so big that the size of countries. So they're the size of like France and another country together. Oh my god, if I could only find it. Let me type type France to see if I can find it. There you go. So yeah, it's called um I don't know what it's called but you know for the, in the north pacific a gyre it's called plastic gyres um um are these swirling whirlpools where like the ocean currents meet and it's the estimated size of france so that's pretty bad and it's only getting bigger so there's literally mat like the size of countries in plastic and how could it not like you know like again think about all the plastic you're consuming on a daily basis and then we trust these things to get put in and be recycled but they don't. Um, I know that there's a huge problem in the Philippines about like people dumping plastic there from like America. So it's like, is this plastic really being dealt with? It's not being dealt with. Um, it can be burned because you're just releasing plastic into the atmosphere. It shouldn't be, it, you can't like dig it because the plastic will just be in the ground, the soil where things are meant to grow. So it's essentially almost impossible to get rid of and we're consuming so much of it daily. So it's a really, really scary thing. I know I'm scared of drinking water and I'm scared of eating fish and I'm scared of eating meat and plastic, not plastic. Well, yes, I'm scared of eating plastic. That's the whole point. Um, but it is like a huge epidemic that we're not really dealing with. I'm passing it off to Giovanna now. Well, thank you for enlightening us um, of the dangers of our world and our ways. Um, yeah, it's really scary to hear, especially like by noticing that everything around us has plastic like there's no way like you said there's no way of us completely cutting out plastic out of our lives because it's just so entrenched in everything and it's used for everything literally 
Um, so what I wanted to talk about is the a topic that really hits home because it's happening in my home, um, the destruction of the Amazon and, and how the current president is kind of feeding that even more and allowing it to happen at rates that it hasn't ever reached before. Um, so before we actually get into like how the Amazon is being destroyed, um, I think we need to look at the context of the Amazon and how it start, how deforestation started in the Amazon. Um, but first, I just want to say some quick five facts about the Amazon. So the Amazon is 20 times the size of Britain. It produces over 20% of the oxygen in the atmosphere. Um, it produces a lot of like a lot. Of, it releases a lot of carbon carbon dioxide, but a lot of the carbon dioxide that it releases, it uses to survive. So it uses its own, you know, it's kind of like a, I don't know how to explain what it is, but equilibrium kind of. Um, it's the 10th of all species in the natural world is in the Amazon. Um, and 20% of the Amazon has already been cleared up. And although that doesn't seem like a lot, if you think about when deforestation really started, it really is a lot. And the rates of deforestation, how much it's going up is very scary. Every minute, um, the size of a pitch of the Amazon is teared down, put on fire to create land for farming and agriculture, um, which kind of sounds like, you know, you're giving people jobs through farming, you're investing in that side of the economy, but it's destroying our world and destroying our natural world. Um, so in terms of context, um, the first waves of deforestation began in the 1970s, and from 1964 to 1985, Brazil was under a military regime. Um, in 1964, there was a mil military coup um, from like really right leaders against a um, the the president who was called João Goulart, and he was seen. You know, he many people believed that he was going towards a communist revolution, and Obviously, they didn't like that, so they, there was a military coup organized. And after the military coup, the economy was kind of at like, you know, it was really, really bad. No, I'm not related to him, even though he does have my second name. <laughs> I mean, you never know. You never know. But, you know, not that I know of. <laughs> um, and after the military coup, the economy was basically in shambles and the military regime they wanted to prove themselves to America. They wanted to prove that they were successful in, you know, um, tearing down the communist revolution and winning against that. So they had to find new sources of income for the economy, new ways to make the economy boom again. And the Amazon was sitting there perfectly peacefully, you know, minding its own business, providing oxygen for the entire world. And they saw that as an opportunity for economic gain for the country. Um, so like not all of the Amazon is in Brazil, but I think over 80% of it is in Brazil. So it is owned by Brazil, but how far is the natural owned, owned by a country? That's another question for another day. Um, and you know, the Amazon is the biggest rainforest in the world. So it has a lot, a lot of natural resources that they, the military regime wanted to use, um, you know, to help the economy. Um, and so this now is how deforestation began. Um, the military regime built this massive highway across the Amazon called the Trans-Amazonian Trans Highway. 
And this highway um, was built with the purpose to access all of the natural resources in the Amazon. And so after they built the, the highway, they had to begin to create settlements around the highway. So what they did is that they encouraged and paid a lot of people to move um, and settle along the highway, highway in order to create new towns and, you know, have people there to work on the Amazon um, and yeah, so it was seen as a land rush when a lot of people moved into the Amazon and the area surrounding the highway. Um, and because of this, the land rapidly began to, you know, be, the trees were cut down, area was put on fire to create space for the, a lot of, for all of the people that were moving there. Um, and essentially this is where deforestation began. Um, and a lot of the people that moved to the Amazon were farmers. And so a lot of the land that was being destroyed was being set up as pastures. So the pastures were turned into farms. And these farms are farms that um, they raise cows they, and in order to sell beef um, and also soybeans. Well, <clears throat> well, <clears throat> soybean farms. Um, so another reason for the increase in deforestation is that over the years we are consuming a lot more meat and brazil actually is the country that probably produces and outsources the most beef in the entire world and because of this very very high demand in beef and meat in general deforestation also began to quicken the rates of deforestation began to quicken and increase because they were using all of these lands for farms and for you know I don't know, how do you say, do you raise beef? I don't know. Yeah, literally yesterday I was at a Brazilian barbecue and there was so much meat there. And, you know, after researching about the reasons for deforestation, it makes you feel very guilty that you're contributing to that. But I honestly don't think I could go vegan because it is so good, but that's beside the point. Um, and actually in the 1990s, um, exports from Brazil shot up so much and it's just been increasing ever since. Um, and since the election of Bolsonaro, um, there's been a very aggressive increase in deforestation because he's a very right leader. Um, you know, neoliberalism at its finest is Bolsonaro. Um, and so obviously he doesn't care about the natural world. He cares about creating profit for the country and you know, booming the economy and encouraging people to be capitalist. What, what's the word? Capitalist bastards, let's say. Scum. Um, <laughs> um, pigs. Yeah, pigs. I think that's what I was looking for. Which uh, makes sense because you're talking about meat production. Yes, it does. Always on topic. <laughs> Always on Um, And yes, um, part of Bolsonaro's large voter base is, you know, farmers, um, people that work in agriculture, middle class people, because farmers in Brazil are tend to be quite wealthy because, you know, there's a high demand for what they're farming. Um, and so that's a, a reason why a, that he he was able to get so much support um, during the elections and why he was elected um, was because he had the support of farmers and support of uh, farmer workers and um, the family of farmers and people working agri agriculture in general because he was supporting their um, work life and he was supporting their livelihood. I don't know what that says. How to become a farmer without experience? Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. After Brazil, I go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I mean, deforestation is at its highest. In 2019, we also, um, was it 2019 or 2020? I think it was in the middle of lockdown when the fires got really, really bad um, and the government refused to do anything. I actually can't remember if they ended up doing something, but it was after a lot of um, international attention, international um, pressure that I think they actually went over the Amazon and dropped water on the fires to try and calm down the fires. And after those like really, really bad fires, countries like Germany and France like are willing to basically take the Amazon away from Brazil. And, you know, a natural world shouldn't be owned by a country, but it's so sad that the country that is in charge of it is treating it with so much disrespect. And because it's not only does it produce, you know, 20% of oxygen, but it's so beautiful and it's something that was put on our planet and unfortunately we haven't been taking very good care of it not very good care we haven't been taking care of it at all um and actually this is you know quite controversial controversial but lula um he was a a socialist i would say in the beginning he was a socialist president um unfortunately that he was involved in a corruption scandal and you know that's the reason why he was put in prison for a bit and yeah all of that madness but he actually quite did quite a bit to protect the amazon and the, or something that i haven't mentioned are the indigenous people in the amazon there are so many indigenous tribes in the amazon you know um and that's that's where they live that's where they spent their entire lives a lot of them don't ever leave the amazon a lot of them don't even know what's going on in the outside world like in the areas surrounding the amazon and brazil in general and something that um lula did was that he protected a lot of the reserves on in the amazon he like outlined a lot of areas that weren't allowed to be touched because they were reserves for the indigenous people and since 2019 when uh, bolsonaro was elected so many of these reserves have now been taken over and have um, been put on fire to create new farming land and so that's also a displacement of indigenous people again which colonizers i'm so sorry and i'm going to call you out here but your people already colonized you know brazil already a genocide of indigenous people and now we're doing the same thing um the government's doing the same thing but now they're doing it behind you know capitalist ideas of maintaining the economy and stuff and it's very very sad um i don't want to speak for much longer but i thought it was interesting this video yeah <laughs> I thought it was interesting this video that I watched um, called What If We Cleared the Amazon? Um, and it basically just went through what would happen to the world if the Amazon was completely gone, if we completely burned down the Amazon and removed, you know, all of that natural world from here. And I, I thought I could just say some facts to um, show the like how significant the Amazon actually is. Um, so 20% of the Amazon has already been cleared up. We said that. Um, in order to clear up the entire Amazon, we would have to cut up 390 billion trees, 140 billion metric tons of carbon dioxide would enter our atmosphere by cutting down all those trees, which is three to, three to five times what we already emit. And like Anna said already, oh, sorry, haven't said that a maintained level at carbon dioxide isn't that bad, but at levels that would be released if we cut down the Amazon, it's very, very dangerous. Um, this increase in carbon dioxide would make our oceans more acidic, a lot more acidic, which would then kill animals and, you know, cause bleaching in the oceans. So we've gone from the Amazon, you know, land to then also destroying the oceans. 
Um, without trees, the land would experience massive erosion. So there would be, you know, breaking down of earths and cracking everywhere. Um, so the, uh, also the forest produces 25% of our plants used in medicine and only 1% of plants have been studied for medicinal plants. So if already 25% of plants used in our medicine have been discovered in the Amazon and we've only discovered 1%, imagine how many more we could you know, discover and use for medicinal purposes if we were able to research and study the Amazon and you know, if that would only be possible if it would be protected. Um, clearing up the Amazon would change the Earth's weather system. It would um, forecast, would it, so the forest creates its own rain and that's how it survives. And without all of that rain, there would be like, the lack of the rain in the Amazon would also mean there would be a complete lack of rain um, in South America. And that would also, you know, go up to the West Coast of North America. There'd be a lack of rain there, which is, you know, California, California, without already a lot of wildfires there. So without even more rain, because they already lack rain, fires would be out of control. There would be a global drought. Um, and sadly, the rainforest would not return because of the lack of rain, because it uses rain to keep itself alive. And if there was no rain, there would be no way for it to grow back. There would be no fertile land and we would all die, essentially. <laughs> so yeah, those are some hard hidden facts for you. Wow, I feel like that was so cheery. I feel like I feel so uplifted after hearing <laughs> that, like fully. Um, but yeah, like as I feel like also like I watched, was it? I don't know why I watched this, but like the Amazonian forest, like you don't even need to clear up fully for it to have a huge impact. If you already clear up a significant amount, it's like a tipping point and like tipping points are all over the planet. And if you have a, a tipping point, it's essentially like you can't go back. Like after that, like we're basically doomed. And there's already a few, like we're very close to tipping points because, sorry, one of them is in the Northern countries where the ice is like packed. And so between the ice is like methane which obviously, as we talked about, is greenhouse gases. If this ice hole melts, or if a significant part of it melts, methane gets really fantastic. That's the tipping point. We can't go back from that. And there's absolutely no care to watch for these tipping points to make sure we don't go over because of capitalism. Um, which, I mean, I feel like, you know, like capitalism, us being alive, mm, which one is more important? I'm not sure. I'm actually not sure. I'm really not sure. Someone might like have to tell me which one is more important because I'm really like confused. Personally, I say capitalism. I think so too. That's why I was thinking. happiness at its finest, you know? Exactly. Like, that's exactly. what I was thinking as well. No, I was, I was thinking as well. Like, as, I think capitalism is more important. Yeah. And while, as we said, capitalism is more important, I think Kevin should tell us about why the Green New Deal is all about, I'm assuming, because of the sound of it, capitalism and like protecting Europe, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, so I wanted to start off by talking a little bit about the Paris Agreement from 2015, late 2015, um, because I feel like it's a necessary prelude to the Green New Deal. Um, and yeah, so in December of 2015, um, almost 200 countries got together in Paris and they signed this agreement this formal agreement um to take the efforts and try and cap temperatures from rising by um 1.5 degrees they they 
they kind of agreed that 1.5 degrees wouldn't be too bad, but two degrees would be the maximum. So when I say 1.5 degrees and two degrees, I'm saying that many degrees above the temperature that the world was at um, during the industrial era. Um, so 100, 190 countries actually formally solidified the agreement. Um, a couple didn't, including Iran, Turkey, and Iraq. Um, but America did, America did formally agree. Um, however, three years, no, two years later in 2017, Trump made clear his intentions to leave the Paris Agreement as he believed that it was holding the US back. Um, he said that letting countries such as India and China use their fossil fuels while the US had to curb their carbon um, usage was unfair. And so in 2020, the day after he was elected, he withdrew from the Paris Agreement. He withdrew the US. Um, and this didn't really come as a surprise um, as he believed that cutting back on any type of regulations, not just environmental, would create more jobs, I guess whatever go off I guess anyways so after this it was inevitable that the Paris Agreement I mean some countries try to abide by it but overall if the US which is one of the richest countries in the world and is one of the like biggest producers of all these like greenhouse gases if they're not abiding by it then it's inevitable that it's not really going to work out that great and so okay so in 2019 the Green New Deal was launched so the Green New Deal it's not legislation, but it's a congressional resolution. The reason it's congressional is because a co the Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Senator Ed Markey, they were recruited to be a part of this um, by a think tank called New Consensus. And so with them two on with those two Congress people on board, their resolution was congressional. Um, and it's not like legislation or anything like that. It's not a bill. It's not going to become law. It's just like a proposition, like it's a first step, some ideas. Um, and it's 14 pages long. And it basically is built around, around these two ideas. So the first is what America can do to prevent climate change from escalating. And the second is how to protect the people while doing this. I like it. So yeah, so their first idea is what America can do. So they came up with a list of things. So for example, they can stop burning as many fossil fuels as they can, um, which obviously a lot of people aren't going to be happy about because fossil fuel burning fossil fuels is how they make cars and how they get electricity and, you know, how like businesses stay on top of things. Um, and so this stopping the burning of fossil fuels is obviously going to be very um, financially detrimental i guess you could say um as you'd need to get you need to um what's that word you would need to not encompass introduce you'd have to yeah you have to like make up with um renewable resources like yeah. wind and sun electrical vehicles um investing in locally grown food instead of exporting it and importing it from other places um but this would inevitably create new jobs and it would create new industries and it would eventually create an entire new economy so realistically people will be protected like some will obviously lose their jobs because we won't need like coal miners and stuff like that anymore but we'll need new jobs like we'll have new ways to employ these people that will be losing their previous ones 
um and the obviously you need money to do all of this and their hope is that they can just redirect some of the taxes that American people already pay instead of those taxes, instead of that money going towards like defense funds and like war funds and stuff like that, which they don't need, um, it can go towards the Green New Deal. So what do we um, think about that solution? I think it's bullshit. Um, sorry. I'm sorry look first of all employing a green new deal America's so obsessed with the past like oh you remember like what's his Roosevelt. name Roosevelt Franklin yeah. I, I remember his second name Roosevelt Franklin he did a new deal so this would be a green new deal Roosevelt. yeah oh shit FDR <laughs> yeah anyway I have not been I have not studied <laughs> actually do you know what do you know what letting go of the information is letting go of trauma so please let me think it's actually Roosevelt Thank you. Thank you. Because I actually feel that was really disrespectful. Let me like go of that trauma. Thank you. Um, but anyways, like he did like a brand new deal and a new deal. So you're like, ah yes, this will be a green new deal. And it's like, look, you can't do I I feel like people like are so slow. They're so slow because like it's so simple what scientists have been saying. You need to stop now. Or you need to decrease that, not by like a little percentage. You need to decrease that by like a 90% like percent. Like as we said, it doesn't have to be stopped completely. And like, look, we can't put people who are disabled at risk. So for example, plastic. Diabetics need clean syringes. That needs to come wrapped in plastic. Like, and I'm we're not saying that those people don't deserve to have access to clean materials for like their stuff, right? Or like, you know, vaccines shouldn't come wrapped in plastic. It's not really it. What we're saying is there's so much need to cut down from that you like there is no incentive to do that because you just want to continuously make sure that companies have profit when like that's one of the most important thing and it's so annoying like this is uh, this is a, sl- a slight side debate it relates to the, the overall point i was watching tv yesterday there was like a unicef ad for like these children obviously the children in africa who are starving which like, I don't doubt that they have malnutrition, but I hate the fact that it's always the children in Africa that are starving. Like, we all know how that affects our perception of Africa, our perception of, like, African economy. Like, we all know how that affects us, and it's always the African child. It's never the British child. It's never even the Asian child or, or the American child that's, like, not doing well. It's always the African child, but alas. And they were, like, showing these horrifying images of, like, this child that's obviously going for malnutrition, to get you to to give some money and I think it's so fucking disgusting that you're asking me a working class person who can barely afford like most like luxuries in life like my parents like they can't afford food I'm not gonna exaggerate they can't afford food but we could definitely be doing better financially instead of going to fucking Jeff Bezos Elon Musk and asking them to give some of their fucking billions to help the children in Africa or help the children wherever else. You know what I mean? I'm so fucking tired of it. It's the same thing with this like whole green stuff. Like you're always about protecting the billionaires. You're always about protecting the companies instead of forcing them to finally stop using single-use plastics, using paper, using uh, making actually like long-lasting things, putting um, stuff in place about fast fashion that stops the use of polyester in clothes only cotton i know there's problems with cotton there's problems with everything there's like literally no ethical use under capitalism not saying that we shouldn't try we should definitely try as much as we possibly can but it's almost impossible because cotton has its own issues as well either way um but like you know like you should put implementation in place that like 
puts companies and billionaires into um, bringing them into accountability and saying, look, you have the money to stop using single-use plastics. Why aren't you doing that? And if they're not doing it, they should fucking pay fines for it. Not saying that money solves everything, but if you're not doing it, hit them where it hurts their money. And I'm not meaning like, oh yeah, half a million. I mean, seriously affecting their profits so that they're, so that they're like, okay, we can either get a huge fine, which is actually going to affect us, or we can actually like do something that actually like hurts our profits a little bit, but like we won't get the huge fine. But no, you're always about protecting the companies. You're always about protecting the billionaires. Fucking hell, like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are going to fucking space for like four minutes. Are you fucking kidding me? That is that not affecting global warming? The fact you just like gonna allow all these billionaires to just like shoot off in space, be like, oh my god, look at the earth. Are you fucking kidding me? This makes me so angry because then I feel like I'm not doing enough because I'm not doing this, I'm not even doing that. But then these people, they're just like investing in these huge like like projects that like affect the earth so massively, so they can go live in Mars when like we're all fucking dying in this like climate disaster. It's funny and it makes that me angry. Looking for new planet to build new life on because they know this one is. Instead of trying to salvage already. this one, it, exactly. because like the thing is, we could salvage it. Like it's not completely ho- yet. Yet it's not completely hopeless yet. We could salvage it. Like we could stop cutting the Amazon forest down. We could stop using single-use plastics or use plastics as much as possible. Again, some plastic will still have to be around, but like we could try to cut it out as much as possible and make the plastic that we have actually be recycled um we could try to invest in new ways of like like using paper how can we make paper without introducing plastic into it how can we make paper more durable do it can you make it thicker can you make it so that we can actually carry things inside it do you know what i mean like we could be doing so much to try to save our current earth but they just care about like looking to fucking mars and then uh, and then like it's so funny because at the same day there was like a a documentary on tv about how like great Elon musk is like he is such a visionary look at him he's a fucking idiot that's what he is like he okay he's a billionaire so well yeah he's a very smart man but he's a fucking idiot because like i think all billionaires are idiots because you're literally hoarding so much money and you're so proud of it but you're not investing that money into anything substantial fucking jeff Bezos' ex-wife is doing more by investing one billion in the charities and like like do you know what i mean Mm-hmm. Fun fact, actually, this has nothing to do with climate change, but since we're talking about how idiots billionaires are, um, I was listening to a podcast um, that Elon Musk was in because I was just interested, you know, because he's a weird creature for me. He is. Um, and he has like this side company um, besides Tesla, and this company is where he like releases like these weird, really cool, you know, really advanced tools that he creates that he has the idea of one day that he wants to produce. So like he released this exclusive limited flamethrower, 50,000 units, sold them at like 300 bucks, you know? And I'm like, all that money you spent on that could have been going towards saving our planet because, I mean, fair enough, he's creating electrical cars, but he could be doing so much more, you know? But the thing is, like, that's the thing. I was talking to my dad about this. Like, you're talking electrical cars. That's the thing. That's also true. Yeah, but like electrical cars, like this. That's why it's so complex. It's complex in terms of like, it's complex when you're trying to patch up things. It's not complex when you're just trying to like get rid of the whole system. Like, it's really easy, like, to get rid of the whole system. I think because it's all about like just ending the system, stopping the system, and then re-looking to how you can 
Like, and scientists know this. They've been theorizing for years on how to redo the system. But like, when you're trying to patch up the system, it's so difficult because yes, electrical cars don't consume gasoline, but where does electricity come from? Electricity comes from burning fossil fuels. How do those cars get made? Are those factories using sustainable energy? They're not. Those cars are still having a carbon footprint in the environment by their creation. And still, and this is what, how capitalism works, yes, you're buying an electrical car, but you still give money to Elon Musk and his Elon Musk helping saving the planet. No, he's not. He's just making money. This electrical car thing is just about him making money. He never cared about the environment. If he cared about the environment, he wouldn't be who he is and he wouldn't be doing this like whole like SpaceX stuff, right? Do you know what I mean? But like, no, he just cares about making money. Electrical cars were the new thing. So he did it, but it's not just to save a planet. If he was to save a planet, his factories wouldn't be burning fossil fuels as well to like produce these cars. And that's the thing. That's why like every single time I see people be like, well, you just do this and you just do this. Yeah, but like is but like how is it being produced like sure like for example like a huge thing is like fast fashion because not only is fast fashion hurting the environment for like carbon car, um, fossil fuels um is also um the workers and all that that's not sustainable either of course we all know um, that but like it's not it's also the workers they're also not being paid enough but then you look at like the fast fashion they have like big sizes you know, they have big sizes, they have XXXXL, whereas like a lot of slow produced stuff, a lot of things that are sustainable, they don't have that. Um, they have, um, they have, they're much more affordable. I could go to Primark and buy a t-shirt for two pounds. Yes, those two pounds come from like hurting the environment or hurting workers, but that's what I can afford. You're not giving me a choice for a better fashion that's made from better materials, made by workers that are being paid right in a slow way, like locally, with my kind of budget and so again we're always and this is this is a side effect of capitalism you're always blaming the individual because we live in an individualistic society that always constantly blames the individual instead of blaming the structures that force us into the decisions we're making and like we were talking about this like sure like being for example being vegan that's a choice you can make but again it's a choice you can make when maybe you have a lot of food allergies and like meat and fish is, is the way that you usually consume most of your calories, calories in like a, in a positive term of like actually giving you energy. Like, is, is it affordable when you're poor and you're not able to buy vegan products or at least vegan products you need? Do, do you have time you prepping meals if you're vegan? Like we were talking about all these things and we're always blaming the individuals that you could be doing this, you could be doing that. Instead of blaming the overall structures for the way they're hurting our earth, and I'm really sick of being blamed for it because really, truly, there's nothing I can do. Really, truly. So true, Bestie. Can I just say also, since we talk about the environment, um, I actually have made the switch to uh, period underwear. Best decision I've ever made in my life. A mm. little bit of an investment. Definitely a bit of an investment. But best decision. So I buy, because my flow is, not flow is inconsistent. The way my flow goes is inconsistent sometimes it goes to the front sometimes it goes to the back mm. so i buy the underwear that has padding from literally well i mean one end to the other is literally one those. end to the other yeah, it goes same. all the way like that um those ones cost 28 pounds um which is, i i understand that's like a bit of an investment like i do know that but like i have six in comparison to how many pads you would buy exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah like exactly expensive they're like three pounds a pad and it's not even like with razors at least you can buy men's razors instead of buying women's razors you can't buy exactly. men's pads 
yeah exactly exactly um with these um so yeah like the, uh, the pairs obviously the pairs that have like smaller because they have different flows so like they have the ones that are, like very small for like light period days um i have one pair that's like it's called overnight it doesn't it, the back goes all the way at the end but it doesn't go all the way to the front it goes kind of like mm. stops a little bit like further down um and that one I think it was slightly cheaper but they have like really good sizing like I'm like an L but they have like go up to I think XL 3XL something like that like their models are like all like not photoshop they have like plus size models Mm. and um and they actually tell you how to take care of the underwear and it's supposed to like last two years which is really good if you take care of it properly and usually it's not the actual like padding that goes wrong sometimes like the like the stitching so that you can just fix it um but like it has been like the best stitch I've ever made because you can so particularly the ones I wear, which is called the maxi ones, um, you can wear them the whole day, and you don't have to change your pad. There's no leaking. There's no worrying about whether the like the pad has bunched up. You know how it is. Yeah. And it's been such a good like comfortable thing. I'm wearing them right now. Such a comfortable thing. People were asking me like, does it feel like nappies? It does not feel like nappies. It just feels like you're like, it feels just better than a pad because you know you're wearing a pad. Like you can feel it, but there's like no noise when you like go to the toilet because the thing is black and it sinks down you can't see how much period you've done so like it will just sinks down um it's just like the best thing ever and like it feels like something I've done to obviously like help with like not like use as many pads and like I can't use a diva cup because it bothers me very much like I just couldn't like use it I can't even use tampons like it just bothers me a lot so it's been my little way of doing it and like I feel like overall Sometimes when you, like, because also, I will also switch to, like, um, cotton loofah, which is supposed to, like, wash, hmm. and you have to throw out. Like, that feels like a sacrifice I've made, because it doesn't, like, it doesn't lather as much, it doesn't feel as nice. I'm like, do you know what, for the environment, you've done this. But this is actually a switch that hasn't been a sacrifice, actually, has, like, improved my experience with my period. So I was like, okay, well, this is great. I actually need to buy more pairs, though, because um, sometimes my periods last a bit longer, but it's been really nice. I recommend the company I buy it from is uh, Muddy Body, not sponsored. Uh, what? Based Muddy Body, based oh. like with eyes instead of um, a Y. So it's Y I. Um, and I think they also uh, and also every time you do a purchase, you can like donate a little bit so they can provide period products to like people who can't afford them. So that's that's also really nice. Swag. And they also make underwear for like people who have um pee problems. Oh, I have pee problems. <laughs> <laughs> my mom has been probably put that out actually don't put that out <laughs> swag uh yeah i don't think my mom wants me to yet talk about it anyway moving on <laughs> you just cut that off is there anything else we want to talk about the thing is like obviously like veganism i touched upon it we're not vegans so we're not going to talk about like the sacrifice yeah. it is to not eat meat we're very much eating don't I'm eat meat guys no, you mean. No. I feel like I feel like it is a good thing to try to cut down consumption. Yeah. So, like, I know my mom sometimes. I show there's like vegan meals, which is really nice. Yeah. Or I know fishing. There's problems with fishing as well. We all know the problems with fishing, but um, sometimes eating fish instead of meat, it is a good thing. Um, also for your health, it's also a good thing for your health. Yeah. Um, but sometimes eating vegan meals, they're nice. They're nice if it's healthy. They're easy to make, yes. Because um, my mom does like this like vegan pasta that's like, she does it well. I don't know what she puts in it, but she's nice. Um, but yeah, like, I feel like if you can like cut down 
that's already like a good thing like now you're already not consuming as much also because you don't want scurvy do you know what i mean but mm. yeah um but like you do you we're not telling you to do anything because we don't do it yeah exactly yeah no, <laughs> no judgment coming from this end um i feel yeah i feel like again you do like what you can like i could afford to like buy a reusable loofah so i did that but like someone else might not be able to do that and that's fine um yeah like everyone like and again like it's the structures are wrong and like i don't really know like i guess you could protest you can like sign petitions you can like do whatever but then again you also see as always like crazy like a crazy hippie if you like do that sort of stuff so it's like also just clean up after yourself you know that's true to the park or to a beach you know like um i was watching a video because right now hawaii is open so a lot of Americans are going to Hawaii for vacations oh. the last few months and you know Hawaii is beautiful a lot of nature everywhere and like this over tourism has hurt it so much hurt its beaches so much there's just plastic everywhere like you were saying so you know if you are going on holiday if you're or at any park as well just clean up after yourself it's not that hard and I think one thing that they like councils need to be doing more or provide more bins because that's like, true whenever there's a heat wave the parks are full especially during lockdown when things weren't open the parks were so full and then people unfortunately do have to put the rubbish next outside of the bin next to it which not only does create bad smell but is of course it's really bad but it's because enough bins aren't provided so you know that's something that councils need to be looking at providing more bins in parks or like a park near um, my college in Cambridge, what they did during the heat waves because they knew the parks were going to be full, they just put temporary, like those big, big temporary bigs, that bins, I said bigs. <laughs> bigs, they're bigs. For those specific days because they knew it was going to be full. So like even just things like that, you know. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, uh, I don't know who I was talking to. I have this thing where I know I'm talking to someone, but I can't see who I'm talking to. Either way. Um, but like, I was talking to someone and it's like, that's the thing, like, you li- I was talking to my neighbor. Was it my neighbor? I don't know. Either way, I was talking to someone, and basically we were talking about like how like in poor school there's like essentially a bin every time there's a traffic light stop. So you know when you cross, there's usually a bin there, and yeah. it makes sense because that means like it you can make it frequent enough. And usually, like if you think about like, your journey, when you're stopping at a traffic light, that's when you're like stopping and thinking about something. So it's not seeming like oh I have rubbish in my bag, let me put it in the bin. You know what I mean? And that's like a nice way of tidying up. And like they make bins so infrequent, and like also they're gross, they're disgusting. Like literally the recycling part of the bins because now they made bins so it's like there's a recycling bit, there's like a cigarette bit, bits, and there's like a general waste. They make the 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 recycling one. They make it a small hole. That's like obviously for like water bottles or whatever, but it's disgusting. And it's like, am I supposed to put my hand there? Like it's little things like that that you can just make it more accessible for people so that they can actually like recycle, put in the right place and make it more frequent because like people really think it's more like easy to just like throw it into like the street. Like we literally have seen people like you've seen people a thousand percent just like throw things on the, on the street. And I could never do that. I would rather have like rubbish my back like a day and then go home and recycle it then like throw it in a fucking street like that's disgusting so yes get into the habit of not littering throw things inside the bin and if you can recycle try to recycle um because even though it is like a very small percentage of things that get recycled every little bit helps it's like tesco's every little bit helps so try to think about that um and i said this earlier but i want to say it again because anna didn't hear and it was just it was just gold um, I just want to 
give a final message to climate I don't want you to change for anyone because you're perfect <laughs> the way you are that's good that's really good actually I love that yes yes queen um it's like the um, it's like the Bruno Mars song just the way you are don't sing ever yeah again. yeah stop your your well, climate your been, climate yeah <laughs> <laughs> we have been DPM podcast and we are very happy to have this conversation with you all if you have any facts you want to send us you know comment on our pictures or dm us or again like we said last week if you have any topics you would like us to talk about let us know because we would love branching out and you know research new things and talk about new things thank you for listening we hope you have been educated in some way we're not experts or professionals on this topic but we did our own little bit of research which if you all have time it's nice to pick a certain topic or pick some pick something specific when it comes to climate change and research what we're doing wrong as people and how we could improve even if it's small changes you know gradually thank you all and beijos from me Uh, yeah kisses from me as well you guys (laughs) Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also Instagram. Yes. Oh, yeah. Go on. That's just also on Instagram. It's our DPM podcast with two T's. Swag. Swag.
just my period was normal. There was nothing different about it. Mm-hmm. Same flow, same pain. pain. Well, actually, I don't get pain. That's it. Same lack of pain. Um, nice. Can I just say also, since we talk about the environment, um, I actually have made the switch to uh, period underwear. Best decision I've ever made in my life. A mm. little bit of an investment. Definitely a bit of an investment. But best decision. So I buy because my flow is not flow is inconsistent. The way my flow goes is inconsistent. Sometimes it goes to the front, sometimes it goes to the back. So I buy the underwear that has padding from literally. Well, I mean one end to the other is literally one end to the other. It goes all the way like that. Um, Those ones cost twenty eight pounds. Which I I understand that's like a bit of an investment. Like I do know that, but like I have six in comparison to how many pads you would buy exactly yeah yeah Yeah, exactly they're like three pounds a pad it's not even like with razors at least you can buy men's razors instead of buying women's razors you can't buy exactly yeah exactly exactly um with these um so yeah like the uh, the pairs obviously the pairs that have like smaller because they have different flows so like they have the ones that like very small for like light period days um i have one pair that's like it's called overnight it doesn't it, the back goes all the way at the end but it doesn't go all the way to the front it goes kind of like mm. stops a little bit like further down yeah. um and that one i think it was slightly cheaper but they have like really good sizing like i'm like an l but they have like go up to i think X, xl 3xl something like that like their models are like all like not photoshop they have like plus size models mm. and um and they actually tell you how to take care of the underwear and it's supposed to like last two years which is really good if you take care of it properly and usually it's not the actual like padding that goes wrong sometimes it's like the like the stitching so that you can just fix it um but like it has been like the best stitch i've ever made because you can so particularly the ones i always just call the maxi ones um you can wear them the whole day and you don't have to change your pad there's no leaking there's no worrying about whether the, like, the pad has bunched up you know how it is yeah and it's been such a good like comfortable fit. i'm wearing them right now such a comfortable thing people were asking me like does it feel like nappies it does not feel like nappies it just feels like you're like it feels just better than a pad because you know you're wearing a pad like you can feel it but there's like no noise when you like go to the toilet because the thing is black and it sinks down you can't see how much period you've done so like it will just sinks down um it's just like the best thing ever and like it feels like something i've done to obviously like help with like not like use as many pads and like i can't use a diva cup because it bothers me very much like i just couldn't like use it i can't even use tampons like it just bothers me a lot so it's been my little way of doing it and like i feel like overall sometimes when you like because also i will also switch to like um cotton loofah which is supposed to like wash Hmm. and you have to throw out like that feels like a sacrifice I've made because it doesn't like it doesn't lather as much it doesn't feel as nice I'm like you know what on a fully environment you've done this but this is actually a switch that hasn't been a sacrifice actually has like improved my experience in my period so I was like okay well this is great I actually need to buy more pairs though because um sometimes my periods last a bit longer but it's been really nice I recommend the company I buy it from is a uh, Modi Body not sponsored uh what? based Modi Body based oh. like with eyes instead of um a Y so it's Y I um and i think they also uh, and also every time you do a purchase you can like donate a little bit so they can provide period products to, like people who can't afford them so that's that's also really nice Swags. and they also make underwear for like people who have um pee problems oh, i have pee problems <laughs> <laughs> bro <laughs> my mom has pee problems cut that out actually don't put that out <laughs> swag 
Uh, yeah, I don't know if your mom wants me to get talk about that. Anyway, moving on. We just cut that off. <laughs> Is there anything else we want to talk about? The thing is, like, obviously, like, veganism, I touched upon it. We're not vegans, so we're not going to talk about, like, the sacrifice yeah. it is to not eat meat. We're very much eat meat. Don't I'm eat gonna meat, eat guys. Meat. Not eat meat. No. I, feel like, I feel like it is a good thing to try to cut down consumption. Yeah. So, like, I know my mom sometimes, like, she does, like, vegan meals, which is really nice. Yeah. Or, I know fishing, there's problems with fishing as well. We all know the problems with fishing, but um, sometimes eating fish instead of meat, it is a good thing. Um, also for your health it's also a good thing for your health Um, but sometimes eating vegan meals they're nice they're nice if it's healthy they're easy easy to make yes Um, because my mom does like this like vegan pasta that's like she does it well I don't know what she puts in it but it's nice Um, but yeah like I feel like if you can like cut down that's already like a good thing like no eyes are already not consuming as much also because you don't want scurvy do you know what I mean but Mm -hmm yeah um but like you do you we're not telling you to do anything because we don't do it yeah exactly yeah no no judgment coming from this end um i feel yeah i feel like again you do like what you can like i could afford to like buy a reusable loofah so i did that but like someone else might not be able to do that and that's fine um yeah like everyone like and again like it's the structures are wrong and like I don't really know. Like, I guess you could protest. You can, like, sign petitions. You can, like, do whatever. But then again, you also see as always, like, crazy, like, a crazy hippie if you, like, do that sort of stuff. So it's, like... Yeah. Also, just clean up after yourself, you know. That's true. To the park or to a beach, you know. Like, um, I was watching a video because right now Hawaii is open. So a lot of Americans are going to Hawaii for vacation oh. the last few months. And, you know, Hawaii is beautiful. A lot of nature everywhere and, like, this over tourism has hurt it so much hurt its beaches so much there's just plastic everywhere like you were saying so you know if you are going on holiday if you're or at any park as well just clean up after yourself it's not that hard and i think one thing that they like councils need to be doing more or provide more bins because that's like, true whenever there's a heat wave the parks are full especially during lockdown when things weren't open the parks were so full and then people unfortunately do have to put the rubbish next outside of the bin next to it which not only does create bad smell, but is of course it's really bad, but it's because enough bins aren't provided. So, you know, that's something that councils need to be looking at, providing more bins in parks or like a park near um, my college in Cambridge, what they did during the heat waves because they knew the parks were gonna be full. They just put temporary, like those big, big temporary bigs, that bins, I said big. Bigs, they're bigs. For those specific days because they knew it was gonna be full. So like even just things like that, you know, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, uh, I don't know who I was talking to. I have this thing where I know I'm talking to someone, but I can't see who I'm talking to. Either way, um, but like I was talking to someone. It's like that's the thing. Like, you, li- I was talking to my neighbor. Was it my neighbor? I don't know. Either way, I was talking to someone, and basically we were talking about like how like in poor school there's like essentially a bin every time there's a traffic light stop. So you know when you cross, there's usually a bin there, and yeah. it makes sense because that means like it, you can make it frequent enough. And usually, like if you think about like, your journey. When you're stopping at the traffic light, that's when you're like stopping and thinking about something. So it's not seeming like, oh, I have rubbish in my bag. Let me put it in the bin. You know what I mean? And that's like a nice way of tidying up. And like they make things so infrequent and like also they're gross. They're disgusting. Like literally the recycling part of the bins because now they've made bins. So it's like there's a recycling bin, there's like a cigarette bin 
bits and there's like a general waste they make the 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 recycling one they make it a small hole that's like obviously for like water bottles or whatever but it's disgusting and it's like what am i supposed to put my hand there like it's little things like that, that you can just make it more accessible for people so that they can actually like recycle put it in the right place and make it more frequent because like people really think it's more like easy to just like throw it into like the street like we literally we've seen people like you've seen people a thousand million percent just like throw things on the on the street and i could never do that i would rather have like rubbish my back like a day and then go home and recycle it than like throw it on a fucking street like that's disgusting so yes get into the habit of not littering throw things inside the bin and if you can recycle try to recycle um because even though it is like a very small percentage of things that get recycled every little bit helps it's like tesco's every little bit helps so try to think about that um and i said this earlier but i want to say it again because anna didn't hear and it was just it was just gold um i just want to give a final message to climate i don't want you to change for anyone because you can take <laughs> the way you are that's good that's really good actually i love that yes yes queen um it's like the um, it's like the bruno mars song just the way you are don't sing ever yeah again. yeah stop your your well, climate your climate yeah. <laughs> we have been dpm podcast and we are very happy to have this conversation with you all if you have any facts you want to send us you know comment on our pictures or dm us or again, like we said last week, if you have any topics you would like us to talk about, let us know because we would love branching out and you know research new things and talk about new things. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been educated in some way. We're not experts or professionals on this topic, but we did our own little bit of research, which if you all have time, it's nice to pick a certain topic or pick, some, pick something specific when it comes to climate change research what we're doing wrong as people and how we could improve even if it's small changes you know gradually thank you exactly. all and beijos from me uh, yeah kisses from me as well you guys <laughs> i <laughs> oh also instagram yes oh yeah go on that's just post on instagram it's our dpm podcast with two t's swag Side.